Hi friends! Welcome back to Actually Adultish. My name is Christina Rice and I'm your host. I'm a holistic health coach living in Los Angeles. I'm also the creator of the blog addictedtolovely.com and I'm also the co-host of Straight Up Paleo Podcast. I'm so excited to be talking to you today because today's guest is truly such an incredible human and she literally transformed my life in a matter of four hours. But before we get into that, I just want to say thank you so much if you've submitted a rating and review on iTunes. It really means a lot to me and it helps get the word out about the podcast. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you joined our Facebook group actually adultish podcast nation it's a great place to make friends and meet awesome people so totally join that if you want to support the show there are a few ways you can do that you can become a patron of the show at patreon.com actually adultish and the way that works is you just pledge a certain amount of money each month that will go towards the show and the production costs it can be one dollar it can be five dollars ten it can be however much you want but every little bit helps and every little bit counts. And it's just a way to show me that you support what I'm doing and want me to keep being able to do it and put out free content for you. The other way you can support the show is by doing your regular Amazon shopping through the Amazon link in the show notes slash on our website. So that doesn't cost you anything extra. You just click on that link and then do your regular Amazon shopping and then some of the money will go towards supporting this show and the production costs. So I know you're already on Amazon anyways. So if you want to show some love, just use that link and it would be much, much appreciated. The other thing I want to remind you about is my friend Amy's incredible course, Digital Nomad Nutritionist. It's a course for anybody who is an NTP, a health coach, nutritionist, or just anybody who loves wellness and wants to turn that into their thriving business and be able to work from wherever. So it's an online self-paced course and Amy goes through everything you need to know to build your own business so that you can be your own boss and work from anywhere and thrive. So you're going to learn, like I said, literally everything that you need to know. And she teaches you how to distinguish yourself from all of the other health and wellness blogs out there, how to set up your website, how to set up your email list, how to get people to join your email list, how to figure out a blogging strategy. She shows you how to optimize all of your social media accounts to grow your brand how to make a brand and how to do all of that without a web designer, how to create a plan for a product or a service, all of that. So if you are interested in learning more about how to grow your online business and how to be successful with that, then you definitely need to check out this course. I highly recommend it. I love this course. I have lots of friends who have done it and it is so helpful and Amy just breaks everything down really simple, straightforward, to the point, a lot of great information and it will really help you out. So if you're a listener, you can get $100 off the course. How awesome is that? All you have to do is go to the link in the show notes 
Or you can go to bit.ly slash digital nomad CR with a capital C, capital R. So bit.ly slash digital nomad, capital C, capital R. And definitely check that out. It's an amazing course. And I think you guys will love it. One more update before we get into the interview. I'm actually launching a program in the next few weeks. It's going to start on November 1st, but signups are right now. And it's a program all about transitioning to the paleo diet for women. So in this program, I'm going to be talking about what the paleo diet is, its benefits, how and why it's different for women, how you can transition into the paleo diet seamlessly, how you can make it a lifestyle. This is something I'm really passionate about because the paleo lifestyle has totally transformed my health and I feel so much better every day because of it. It totally healed my gut and my life, my energy. And this is something that I help a lot of my one-on-one clients with. It's really helping people find a way of eating and living that makes them feel good. And I really want to get this education out to more people than I can just one-on-one And I have a lot of tricks up my sleeve and a lot of knowledge about how to make this transition work and how to implement this in your life. And I think that this could really help you out if you're interested in transforming your health and just feeling better. So it's going to be a four, actually a five week program because I'm throwing in a bonus module and I'm going to cover everything you need to know about paleo, the benefits, the differences for women. We're going to talk all about the different macronutrients. So you're going to get all of that information. I'm going to talk about specific action steps for transitioning, how to cook, grocery shop, all of those hacks, all my best resources. We're going to talk about the top mistakes that women make on the paleo diet and how you can avoid them because this is a big one that I see a lot. And we're going to talk about how to make paleo a lifestyle and how to make it work for the long term and how to make it work with family and friends and all of that. So I think that you're really going to like it. Also, I'm throwing in a bonus module. That's going to be the fifth week and we're going to do an introduction to balancing your hormones with the paleo diet because I see this come up a lot and it's especially relevant for women. So the program is going to be five weekly live video trainings and you're going to get PDFs from me and you are going to be in a private Facebook group with other people in the program so you get more support and it's really cool because you basically get coaching from me for a much lower price than it would be to get an individual session with me so it's a great deal and you know you can I'll be on a live video call and you can ask me questions directly and you can ask me questions in the Facebook group. So it's really great. And it's five weeks. When you leave this program, you're going to be ready to go with the paleo diet and you're just going to understand a lot more about it. So if you're interested in signing up and checking that out, just head to my website, addictedtolovely.com and you can sign up there. It's going to be a lot of fun and I'm really, really excited and make sure you sign up now because the price is lower right now and it's gonna raise in a few weeks so yeah check that out okay now let's talk about the guest for today she is incredible sahara rose sahara rose 
I'm obsessed with her. So she is the best-selling author of The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. And she's a certified Ayurvedic holistic and sports nutritionist. She's a wellness blogger and she also hosts the Highest Self podcast. And she's just super cool and very I have no I, I have no words to describe this girl because she came into my apartment and we had like a life talk for 3 hours and she totally changed my life and inspired me in so many ways but I have always been really interested in Ayurveda and I'm definitely don't know a ton about it, but I did learn a lot about it while I was working with Jordan Younger from the Balanced Bond because she is really interested in Ayurveda and would see a lot of Ayurvedic practitioners. And I've always just thought it was such an interesting practice and a lot of it resonates with me. Like it just makes sense. And if you're not familiar with Ayurveda, then you're going to learn a lot about it in this episode, but basically Ayurveda is an ancient system of medicine and it's really amazing because it's all about integrating mind, body, soul, just everything. It's about physical and emotional and mental health and just your overall being and each person is a different dosha and it's all about getting your doshas balanced and the different doshas, there are different recommendations for how you should be living your life, how you should be moving and eating. And I don't know, it's just really cool. A lot of practices that are seen in wellness now come from Ayurveda. So for example, tongue scraping and oil pulling, those are things that are Ayurvedic traditions. And Sahara explains all of this in the interview, so I'm not going to get too far into it, but I've al- always been fascinated with Ayurveda. I learned a lot about it when I was working for Jordan from the Balanced Blonde because Jordan knows a lot about Ayurveda and would work with different Ayurvedic practitioners, and she did a Panchakarma, so I learned a lot through Jordan, but definitely not an expert at all, and it's cool because the things I have read about it really resonated with me. But at the same time, there are some things about it that didn't really resonate with me. And Sahara is amazing because she, what she's doing right now is making it modern and really bringing it, making it cool again. She's bringing it to 2017 and I love it. And she is just, just a burst of sunshine. If you ever get the chance to meet her, you absolutely need to because she'll literally change your life. I swear. So I love her and I'm so appreciative that she came on the show. She's so fun to talk to and so fun to hang out with. And I think you guys are going to learn a lot from her. So without further ado, here is Sahara Rose. Hello, Sahara. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. Yay. I'm My brain is buzzing because we just ha- have been having a really good conversation. So I'm sorry we're like starting late, but <laughs> it's okay. So... Why don't you just start off by introducing yourself to my listeners? Sure. Um, Well, my name is Sahara Rose. I'm the author of The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda and really just passionate about bridging Ayurveda, which is the world's oldest health system. It's the sister science of yoga. And I'll talk a little bit more about how they're connected. Um, With Western nutritional science, I studied sports nutrition. I went to Boston University and I got really sick eventually. I was following a really strict raw vegan diet and 
after you know at the beginning I felt really amazing full of energy I was like all about the raw vegan life Mm -hmm. and then like after a few months I was like fainting and lost so much weight couldn't digest food like going through the worst issues and I went to tons of gastroenterologists and endocrinologists I stopped getting my period for over a year and my body was basically shutting down and I wasn't sure what was wrong with me if I had parasites if I had this that never thinking that it could be related to my diet I thought Mm -hmm. like my diet's the one thing that I was doing right and then I I'll tell the whole story, but I basically discovered Ayurveda and it's changed my life. So now I'm really passionate about showing people how to use Ayurvedic theories to heal their bodies. And what I practice is not a traditional Ayurveda. Like I don't eat grains. I don't eat ghee. I don't eat a lot of the Ayurvedic Mm -hmm. things, but it's the whole theory of healing your body and how your mind and body are connected. Yeah. No. And that, okay. There's like so much to unpack there. That's why it's so cool what you're doing because it's like you're making this ancient practice so much it's modernized Mm -hmm. you know and it's like I love how realistic you are like this is 21st century 2017 like we can make this practice work today with our lives which not other people not many other people I haven't really heard of anyone else doing it yeah I mean I don't know I'm definitely not an Ayurvedic expert at all but I first started learning about it when Jordan younger my old boss Mm -hmm. was getting into it and I just kind of learned a few things from her and Mm -hmm. started getting interested in it through that and I remember thinking that like this is so cool but then there are some things here or there and I'm like "Eh, not really gonna work for me like I don't for example with the foods like the it was like really grain heavy she's like well I have to eat the grains rice lentils for every meal yeah only Indian food exactly (laughs) and I think you don't say that you have to do that right like no I don't really eat grains at all like maybe once in a while but um yeah like when I so I was a raw vegan I was living in India at the time I was teaching health and sanitation in the slums of Delhi Mm -hmm. and I've always just been fascinated by Indian culture I started practicing yoga when I was like 12 years old because I was um super overweight as a kid so I went from being like this really fat kid, really bad allergies. It was like to the point that I I couldn't go outside because the moment I would go outside, I would get asthma attacks. My face would swell up. um, And I didn't know it was related to like, you know, eating McDonald's and Taco Bell for every meal. So when I was 12 years old, I decided I wanted to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And I heard of hot yoga and I read in Cosmo that's like the best way to lose weight. So I was like, okay, I'll like go to a yoga class so I can lose some of this fat I have. We read in Cosmo. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I go to this yoga class and I'm this fat 12 year old in there Mm -hmm. literally. And I'm just experiencing this thing that I've never felt before. Like my mind and body are connected and I'm like balancing on one leg and I'm like this, like I want more of this. Yeah. So from that age, people were like, who's your role model? I'm like, Deepak Chopra. Oh my God. I love that. (laughs) And they're like, Like, what? (laughs) Little did I know one day he'd like write the forward to my book and like we do so much stuff together. And I just kind of went off on this path. I started traveling by myself when I was 15, volunteering in Nicaragua and Peru, Vietnam, Thailand, um, living with like rural farmers, going with NGOs. And it was really my path to work in the nonprofit. I actually wanted to be an international human rights lawyer for sexual exploitation. Wow. Um, so I moved to DC and went to GW at first to, you know, go down that path of international development. 
And while I was there, I was pulling all-nighters every night, drinking tons of coffee, just, you know, taking Adderall, doing anything I can just to study and, like, stick with it. Mm -hmm. And my body is shut down, like, literally, like, burned out. So then I started to learn more about health and eventually went to raw veganism, which I thought is, like, the pinnacle of health, like, the cleanest you could ever be, which I think a lot of your listeners have gone that path before. Yeah, absolutely. Have you been a raw vegan? No, I haven't. Everybody (laughs) always thinks that I I must have, because I feel like that's such a classic. Yeah. Because... I don't even, when was it? It was, there was like a time period where veganism was just like the thing. For do. sure. Whereas I feel like now. It, now it's now like it's functional. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, now it's like keto, keto had its hot minute. Yeah. Like, I think even keto's kind of slowly going yeah, out. Yeah. Like things just, but veganism, for, it was like a solid mm. time period. How did you first get into the like vegan world? And so, raw veganism. Right. Like, what made you go raw too? So like, I became a vegetarian when I was 15, when I was mm-hmm. having this spiritual awakening because of the spiritual connection between eating meat. And I had read a lot about that. It lowers your consciousness and karma and all of these things. So I was like, absolutely not. So, um, I'm following a vegetarian diet and then I'm like, oh, I don't really feel good on like with dairy either. So I, I cut that out too. And then I was like, I don't really like grains either. So I cut that out and I'm like, I don't even like cooked food. So like eventually I just like ate salads and smoothies all day. Yeah. And I was like, this is the best. I took like David Wolf's raw nutrition course. I'm like, okay. I found my people. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm wondering. So was it really just like you felt like you didn't you didn't like it and you didn't feel like it or is it like things that you're so reading? i'm a super vata okay so for me you know vata it's the air type i do yeah. so airy people love to feel light uh-huh. they love to feel energetic they love they don't like anything that box them down so the reason that i didn't like that cooked food is because after you eat a cooked meal you're like hmm, you like sit in your chair your yeah. energy gets a little heavier and i didn't like that i wanted to be jumping on the walls and yeah. like up all night and like creative yeah. thinking <laughs> moving so i was like fuck you hell yeah Yeah. if if like these green juices are gonna keep me going all day and like I don't even need food anymore and I remember I would be like like got super into fasting like oh my god I wonder how many days I can just live off of like coconut water and like but like my mind was still there but I was like kind of you know a lot of raw vegans their energies are super up here like really heady then I'm like going off into other planets (laughs) so um (laughs) so I go to India I'm a raw vegan in India, which is unheard of. Like mm-hmm. the first thing when you go to India, they're like, "Do not eat the raw food." It's like the first thing <laughs> oh they'll tell God, you off the plane. I love you. <laughs> and then I'm like, "No, no, no, you guys, David Wolf." Said. Yeah. So oh my God. I'm ordering my food from a farm to deliver it to me, so I can still make my salads and smoothies in these this Indian house. Imagine all of the people are eating cooked food, and I'm like, "Yeah, salad." Like so oh many meals. God. Like you know, if I would go out to a party or wedding, I would just eat like cucumbers and yeah. like fruit. I'm like laughing. So because you're literally like as psycho as me like it, I feel like if I was in your position I would have done the exact same thing yeah because I was like oh my god you guys are eating lentils yeah. with like clarified butter yeah Blah. oh my <laughs> god okay so um so these health problems that I was talking yeah. about like I was so constipated and I was like this doesn't make any sense I'm eating so much kale mm-hmm. how can I be constipated and bloated like after any time I ate my stomach was like sticking out like like not normal like a yeah. pregnant person mm-hmm. and the next morning we'd be gone so I'm like okay it's not fat like I don't know what it is it was literally like an air blo- an air balloon yeah. in my bu- in my system so I decided um so at the time I 
I transferred from GW to BU because I like got depressed. My health was deteriorating and my family's from Boston. Didn't even know what to study. And I started to get more into nutrition, food. I signed up for IIN. um, And part of that course was an Ayurveda module. Had never heard of it. And and it started with a personality quiz. And I love personality quizzes. So I was like, this is cool. It's like a way to eat based on your personality. Like, so... I'm reading about it and I'm like 100% Vata and it's like all the things to do are like the things like eat cooked food. So I was like, no, 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 this isn't for me. But I was like, you know what? I'm in India. It's going to be like a visiting an astrologer or psychic. I'm going to visit an Ayurvedic practitioner. So I visit the Ayurvedic practitioner. She looks at my eyes, my tongue, my pulse, asks me all these questions about like my dreams and like, like what time do I wake up and sleep and all these things that have nothing to do with digestion or hormones. And she basically tells me that my body was so out of balance that I was infertile when I was 21 years old. Um, I was going through perimenopause. My body was not producing any estrogen. I was at risk of Alzheimer's and osteoporosis. Oh my God. So basically like like, my body was just shutting down. And when you're, when you're so, um, nutritionally malnourished the first thing your body shuts down is the endocrine system because it's not a necessity for you to reproduce it's more important for you to survive so that's why I wasn't getting my period and then the next thing is your digestion because it's it's so energy intensive to eliminate food so that's why I was pooping every few days Mm -hmm. and my bones were always cracking and hurting and I would like hurt myself all the time and it was basically because like I was just so deplenished from calcium protein vitamin d like all of these things but again the suggestions she gave me were so not what i wanted to follow so i was like okay i'm gonna try to figure out my own way to make this work so you know maybe i'll do quinoa instead of rice or maybe i'll do coconut oil instead of ghee and maybe i'll add some sweet potatoes and like pumpkin and things that i like and i'm more familiar with and so quickly I noticed not only a difference in my body but my mind Mm -hmm. and I was always that person who's like I don't know what I want to do with my life like going from one direction to another like having an identity crisis every single day and my mind became so much more focused and I was able to follow through with tasks which was something I've never been able to do yeah and this was when I really realized that how the foods you eat impact how you feel and how you think. And what was weird about it was I had started a blog, a raw vegan blog called Eat Feel Fresh. Yeah. And it was like, this was like the universe was telling me like, no, you need to eat a certain way to get how you want to feel. So I had to stop eating raw foods. I noticed how bad they were for me. For over a year, I didn't eat anything raw, like purely cooked foods. I see a lot of the foods that you're doing, like cooking your celery and stuff. Like I had to do all of that. Um, And People, it's it's just so funny, all the common misconceptions. Like everybody, like, I mean, back to the veganism thing. I know so many people who tell me that they're vegan for their digestion. And I'm like, right. I'm not even going to argue with you right now, you know, like... Well, it's just dependent. So if you're a Vata, even Mm -hmm. Ayurveda, it says you must have bone broth. You must Mm -hmm. have animal proteins because your digestive system literally needs it. It's the most nourishing thing you can do if you're a Vata. Yeah. But if you are a Pitta, you might be okay without it because your body has a stronger fire. Mm -hmm. Pitta is literally the fire energy. So you can secrete nutrients out of foods more efficiently than the vata can the vata like literally needs it handed to them whereas if you're a kapha which is earth energy which is kind of slow they tend to gain weight easily just heavier in the body they're probably the best being being vegan because Uh for them anything in excess will make them gain weight so even excess protein will make them gain weight so vatas definitely shouldn't be vegan pittas uh they could not really recommended kaphas 
it could work yeah, yeah yeah but my point is if somebody's struggling with digestion then they're probably not and it's also the kind of digestive yeah, stuff exactly. if you're bloating gas constipated which is all air mm-hmm. then you need the warm cooked grounding bone mm-hmm. broths etc if you have hyperacidity, heartburn acid yeah. reflux like my boyfriend a lot of men out there it's a mm-hmm. lot of pitta fire mm-hmm. then it could be caused from eating too much meat mm-hmm. maybe you need more leafy greens and cooling foods and if you're kapha it's like more heaviness a lot of mucus mucus in the stools mucus in your like a lot of phlegm or thyroid issues you could also go without meat um, because especially like red meat would be way too heavy for you. So even in the book, I have like the recommended animal products for yeah. each dosha. Well, that's why it's so interesting. That's why Ayurveda is so cool to me because it's so individualized mm-hmm. and all this information that's being put out to people like in magazines and online, you know, it's just, that's why I'm like, you can't just listen to what they're saying because yeah. they're just putting it to everybody and everybody is different. Right. I was like, well, if Freely the banana girl can live off just exactly. bananas, why can't right? I? <laughs> because you're not Freely. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, and that's why it's so amazing. So I, do, okay. Why don't, how do you tell what, what dosha you are? I guess. Yeah. So it's super simple. Mm-hmm. People think it's really complicated, but literally just think of it like the elements. So I mentioned vata is mm-hmm. air. So if someone's like an airy person, like what do you think they're like? If I'm like, oh, she's so airy. They're like, what you were saying before, like energetic. Yeah, and like a space cadet. Yeah, and you like think of like lighter foods. Yeah, like, like airy fairy, can't settled yeah exactly. So that's what vata is like in the mind. Now, if I'm like, I have a lot of air mm-hmm. in my stomach. What do you think that means? I don't know. What I'm do like, oh, I feel like I got a lot of air. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Think the most literal thing. Like gassy? Yes. Okay. So that so vata, too much air. Uh-huh. Bloating, gassing, gassiness, and constipation because air is cold and it's dry. So it's uh-huh. literally like your colon is cold and dry. So your stool becomes like little like rabbit pebbles, basically. Yeah. So that's what vata looks like. Pitta is fire. So if I'm like, oh, he's super fiery. Mm-hmm. Like, what's that person like? They're like determined and like intense and like yeah, go getters. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's a pit of personality: go getters, intense, organized leaders. But at the same time, maybe a little impatient, mm-hmm. angry, snapping. You know, it's like they have a volcano inside of them that could like erupt at any time. Yeah. Um, and then in the body, if I'm like, oh, I feel like there's a lot of like fire in me. Mm-hmm. What do you think that means? I mean, well, like in terms of food, if I'm like my body feels like fiery. My digestion feels fiery. Like you can handle heavier things. Yes, you can handle heavier things, but also spicy food. Spicy foods. That's a pitta food. Heartburn. Yeah. You know, too much acid Mm -hmm. because acid is what your your body throws at food to try to break it down. Mm -hmm. So your whereas the vatas aren't producing enough acid, the pittas are producing too much acid, and oftentimes it goes up their esophagus and leads to heartburn. Mm -hmm. So anything related to hyperacidity, like ulcers, inflammation, is all pitta related. And then also heat. You know, uh, vatas are always cold. Pittas are always hot. Mm -hmm. If you're someone who sweats a lot and your sweat actually has a strong smell to it, Mm -hmm. that's a pitta imbalance. And heat rises. It's like you know, you stand on your bed and it's hotter up there than it is down here. So when that heat rises from your digestion, it ends up on your skin. So if you have acne, 
redness on your face, anything like that, that's a sign of pitta. So all of these things are interconnected. Yeah. Okay. And then then there's kapha. So kaphas talk a little bit more like this. (laughs) They're a little bit more earthy. Okay. They're grounded. Okay. Peaceful. You know, you're like, because we're so botches. We're okay to cut to the chase. But um, kaphas are just a lot more grounded. You know, I think of it like Oprah energy. It's like you just want to like come to them and give them a hug and they'll like listen to you talk for hours and just like hold space for you and just like nod their heads. Uh And they have so much love to give. It's grandmother energy. So if I have a really earthy, if she's an earth mama, like that's like, what does that mean? If I'm like, oh, she's so earthy. It's like you kind of think like bohemian. Oh, yeah. 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 It's so funny. (laughs) So my friend texted me the other day. She goes, my friend's mom called me earthy. Is that a compliment or is that like rude? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't. Yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's a compliment. It's like you're really like calm, centered, patient, um, connected to nature. So that's like very Kapha personality. They're really, they take their time. They're really good at caretaking. Like I often see Kaphas as nurses or preschool teachers or therapists in a one-on-one context. But in the body, when there's too much earth, it makes you too heavy. So their energies are really like low. So they eat and they feel tired after or they gain weight really easily. Their metabolisms are the slowest, but they gain the weight most easily. So if you or someone that you know barely eats and they still are gaining weight, they just keep gaining weight. That's a kapha imbalance. That's so interesting. Yeah. So one thing that confuses me is like, you can be more than one, right? So we all have all three, okay. but in varying amounts. Mm-hmm. So you have something that you're born with called your prakriti, which is your DNA. You mm-hmm. know, it's like you're born blonde. I'm born brown hair. She's born like more timid. She's born more extroverted. You know, we have so many characteristics that were just, it's like the deck of cards we were handed at birth. Yeah. So that's our prakriti. And that's like you might be primarily vata, secondarily pitta, lastly kapha. Then you have your vikriti, which is what you have today. And that's based off of your diet, stress levels, exercise, where you live, the season, all of these things that affect us. So your vikriti, what your dosha is right now, mm-hmm. might be different from your prakriti. Okay. What, what you were meant to be. So that will tell you where your imbalance is. Okay. So let's say when I was young, like for example, I have really small wrists. Mm-hmm. So I was born with more vata. Then when I was a kid, I became overweight. I started experiencing all kapha imbalances because I wasn't supposed to be that way. Mm-hmm. Like I have some kapha in me because I have a round face, but I'm not primarily kapha person. Mm-hmm. So I started experiencing those problems. Then I became too vata. You know, even if you're your own dosha, you can get out of balance. Yeah. So for me, I always have to be mindful of balancing my vata because it's really easy for me to get too vata. Yeah. Yeah. So I think something that always, so I've taken so many like online quizzes. Have you taken mine? Because I separate the results. Yeah, I mine have and body. taken yeah. yours. Um, but I've taken a bunch of other random ones too. Mm-hmm. And then what happens every time is like somebody like me who's like doesn't know about all this. Like you, you know, I take this quiz and then it says, oh, you're 50% this, 50% that, or 75% this, 25% that. And I'm like, okay, you gave me those percentages, but then you gave me what each dosha should be eating right. and doing I'm like so which one do i follow if i'm part 
You know what I'm saying? Right. So, how do you so follow the imbalance. Follow what your issue is. So okay. if your issue is bloating, gas, constipation, anxiety, insomnia, mm-hmm. follow the vata stuff. If it's hyperacidity, acne, feeling hot all the time, inflammation, follow the pitta stuff. Mm-hmm. If it's weight gain, um, water retention, thyroid issues, feeling lethargic all the time, follow the kapha thing. So for you, it would definitely be vata. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so when I... Well, yeah, and that's what I always was confused what I was because I feel like I have person. I feel like my personality, my body issues were always very vata. Right. But my personality is more, what's it called? Pitta? Yeah, pitta. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I was kind of like, well, now I don't know what to do. So follow the dietary stuff for vata mm-hmm. and then the lifestyle. Like in the book, I have like the meditation suggestions and stuff for pitta. So in your yeah. mind, you need to probably cool down and also keep in mind that we live in such a vata pitta society. I know. I was just going to say that. Like, I was like, I don't know anybody who's kapha. There, there are, but it's just like, if you're a kafa, like you're probably not going to be drawn to like being an entrepreneur or yeah. a blogger. You're well, just in a no, different, I, mean, I know that yeah. there are, but I mean like, in, I'm like, I personally, most like, of I the country I, is kafa. Yeah. I think, oh, but I think like in my close right. circle, like um, in LA, like none of us are like that, you right. know, like anything like back home, like that's where more people Right. Or like that. Yeah, I mean, like, two-thirds of Americans are, are overweight. Yeah. Like, that's all kapha right there. Most Americans, like, go home and sit and eat snacks all night and watch yeah. TV. Like, that's all kapha. True. And then they are, have water retention, all these weight gain issues, thyroid issues, all of these things. Yeah. Um, even candida is a kapha-related thing. It's too much oh, sweet in the system. Interesting. So, but, yeah, wellness tends to attract more vata and pitta people because yeah. they're the ones who have a lot of energy and they want to be well. But that's why, like, the whole, like, juice cleanse craze, raw vegan craze was super bad for wellness people because they're already super vata. Yeah. Okay, that's so interesting. Okay, so for fun. So I'm, like half vata half pitta no you're vata i'm all vata yeah like i think like just because of you know you're you're young and figuring things Uh out and that's stressful that can create like stress in your system but like you don't have a pitta personality like a pitta personality would like snap and like you know you can feel their fire Uh whereas you have a lot more vata in your personality that's so interesting i think a lot of people would say that i snap I mean, like, of course, we all can snap to, yeah. like, when we're under stress and especially to those closest with us. But, like, people, pizza take, people would be like, okay, come on, like, let's get to it. Yeah. And they're, like, organize at 3 p.m. I got to go. And they're running well, I'm thing. like that, though. Well, I think that a lot of people, but I think that's also a mindset of how you perceive somebody. I think that we're similar, so you get it. And I, right. I am more what you're saying. But, for example, people think that they take my straightforwardness and bluntness as being very like aggressive. Right. And in my head, I don't, well, they're probably kafas who feel mm, that way. Yeah. That makes sense. Like I have a whole YouTube video on just like the relationships between these doshas. Yeah. It's so interesting to me. Cause like, let's say you're a kafa dating a pitta and like, you're just more sensitive. Yeah. And, like when someone snaps or is in a rush with you, you like literally take it to heart and pittas are just like, well, that's just how I function. Yeah. Vatas can also take things to heart, but they tend to kind of just be off in their own. They're a little bit more like independent, mm-hmm. like whatever, if you're mean to me, I don't even need you. Yeah. Whereas kafas are like puppies. They're like, I want you to like me. Well, that's always interesting. Cause I'm like that with so many snaps like I take everything really to heart like I mm-hmm. act like I have a like tough exterior but like literally every single thing that people say I'm mm-hmm. just like it kills me you right. know but then I am very like 
I mean, I don't think of it as aggressive. I just am like a straightforward and like do my own thing and I will say what I think, you know, right. but I never have like ill intentions. And for sure, a lot of times I'll say things that I don't think anything of. And then people will be like, that was so aggressive. And I was like, wait, really? I was like, I'm so confused right now. Like, why did you get right. offended by that? <laughs> like, I yeah, even... I mean, that happens because we live in such a like politically correct mm-hmm. world that if you like speak your truth, you're going to offend 50 people. Yeah. But it's like, keep keep doing it. You yeah. Know, if you're speaking truth. And I think that can happen with any dosha kafas are probably the least likely to do it because they are really mindful of what they say yeah. and they think about it before whereas for like a vata or pitta it's like you couldn't even imagine thinking about what yeah, you're gonna say before you say so are you what what do you describe yourself as like totally vata no like well now i'm pretty balanced of uh-huh. all of the doshas because i've just been working with them for so long yeah. um but I will use them for my own benefit. You know, when I'm writing my book, like when I wrote Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, the story is crazy how I was picked. I don't know how much time we have left. Um, We have plenty of time. Okay, like, so I wrote this book. I went to India and I decided I was going to write a book on Ayurveda, modernizing it with sports nutrition because that's what I was studying and compare Vata, Pitta, Kapha with ectomorph, mesomorph, and endomorph because they're like the same thing. Yeah, they are. So, and I was working with like, bodybuilders, marathon workers. I was creating meal plans. Like I was like super into the sports nutrition Uh world. So I was like, this is going to be a really cool way to like add to that. Yeah. So I decided to call this book eat right for your mind body type. Mm -hmm. So I'm spending all of my time just working on this book the same way that you are with your blog. Like it's all I was doing. And I thought it was just going to be an ebook for my website. You know, I had a pretty good following at that time, like four or five years ago, like I thought at that time, like, wow, I have like 20,000 followers. That's so many. Like, yeah. this, this is it. So yeah. I was like, I'm just going to create an ebook and it's for, for these people. So the book was like 50 pages, became 100 pages, became 500 pages, became over 1,000 pages. I studied in India for two years. Yeah. Um, so I had over 1,000 pages of written material about this that I was going through editing, like staying up all the time, like figuring out what am I going to do with this? And everyone's like, wait, why are you doing this? You're not getting paid for it. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Like no one cares. Uh-huh. No one knows what Ayurveda is. Like my parents were giving me so much shit like go get a job if you put all this time into your job you could have been making so much money and here I am living with this Indian family just <laughs> writing about Ayurveda all the time yeah and they were like, just like you're crazy yeah so I was just something came was through me like you need to modernize this text you need to make it approachable for people like you and others out there so I never met anyone with a book didn't know anyone with a book writing didn't know anything about the whole process you mm-hmm. know so I, when I'm done with this, I decide, you know, I'm just going to make it into the perfect book. So I hire editors through like upwork.com. I hire graphic designers. I make it into a fully visual guide because I'm a very visual person as Avata. So I don't want it to be lots of words. I want it to be like pictures and like pictures of India and like going through and like all of these things. So that took two years. It was a really long process. Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) Yes. And I finally finished the book. It was the first book was it was like different series and stuff. And yeah, but I was like, this is so much work that I put into this. And it's kind of a shame for me to put it on an ebook that like, you know, maybe like a few hundred people will buy and like and that's it. Mm-hmm. I want this book to be in Barnes and Nobles. And my parents are like, OK, relax, like Barnes and Nobles. I'm like, yeah, and I want like Deepak Chopra to be on it. And they're just like, you're crazy. And I was like, no, manifest that shit. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, no, like, I really feel like this book needs to be out there. So 
um, my grandparents lived in Los Angeles and I was just having such a hard time with my family because they were not on my path and they kept telling me to go become a real estate agent which is like the opposite yeah. of my personality that I was like you know what I'm just gonna stay with my grandparents until I figure out what I'm doing with my yeah. life so while I'm there I start kind of making friends in the wellness community and mm-hmm. I meet a friend of mine Maria who had a book coming out Maria Marlowe and I asked her if she like if she had a new literary agent whatever it was and she's like I'll introduce you to my literary agent like there's no promises she gets tons of people emailing her every single day but I'll just send you an email with her and see what happens so I'm like hi to the to the agent like yeah this whole thing like I wrote a book proposal and I yeah. had the book finished all of these things and she was like okay cool I'll represent you and we'll look for a publisher to find your book so we're sending it out to different publishers they're all like we don't really take first-time authors like you know Barnes and Nobles might be shutting down like publishing is kind of dying I was like okay well I know yeah but yeah this is why I'm telling you believe yeah. in yourself girl so yeah she gets a call. This is two days after we signed the contract. We still haven't heard from anyone. Um, she gets a call from Penguin Random House, the world's biggest, most well-known publishing company. And they're like, we're looking for someone to write an idiot's guide to Ayurveda. Do you happen to know anyone? Me. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, well, I know this girl. She's 25, um, but she knows a lot about Ayurveda. And they're like, no, 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 no. We need an expert who's been working in the field for at least 25 years. Like, this is like the textbook of Ayurveda. It's going to go out to the whole world. Like, can't be a 25-year-old. She's like, well... Let me just put you guys in contact and see. Yeah. So you have six months to write these these books. They're 400 page long textbooks. And they had an author who was four months in. And after four months, she quit because it was so much work. Yeah. And didn't hand it anything. So they needed someone to write the book start to finish in two months. And it's not like what I was doing, like channeling source. What wants to come through? Yeah. It was like when you read the book, it's super specific. Every page and a half is a fun fact, definition, this, Mm -hmm. that, graphs. It's a freaking school textbook. So um, they're like, okay, how would you write the table of contents if you were to write the book? This is the one that the lady was working on. How would you edit it? If not, you can just send it back. You have a week to do this. That day, I changed the whole entire table of contents. Like not a single line was the same as what she wrote. And I wrote it like the way that I would want to learn Ayurveda. Mm-hmm. Sent it back to them. They're like, okay, this is good. Um, how We want to see your writing style. Can you submit to us the first chapter, like 16 page chapter, mm-hmm. introducing how you'd write this book in the idiot's guide tone, which is different than my tone. It's like, it's yeah, to the Walmart it's a, yeah, customer, you yeah. know? Um, so I had a week to do that. That day, literally just got it done sent it back within two days I was hired to write this book so then no you would think you'd be like really ecstatic I was like oh shit well now I just created a competition for myself no one's definitely going to want to represent my book when I just wrote the competing book to yeah. myself so I was like okay I'm just going to try to write this book and get it done so I can like go back to my book yeah be right for my body type yeah. so I'm like how am I going to repeat talking about Ayurveda without using a single sentence that's the same as that first book there's only so many ways yeah. I can describe the doshas and when you're talking about a subject you word things a certain way yeah. too so I was like oh this is gonna suck and I have two months to finish it yeah. all like what did I get myself into and I had this block against the book mm-hmm. and then finally like I was like you know what People are going to read this. It needs to provide value, like whatever. Even if I never get that other book deal, I'm just going to put everything I have into this. And as I was writing it, I was more interested in the nutrition stuff. Yeah. And as I was writing it, I was realizing really the point of all of this is so you can be your highest self. So you can live your most aligned life. And now my favorite chapter of the book, it's the last section, which is like the spiritual side of Ayurveda, which was like not the thing that got me interested in it, but like 
why like you're healthy and then what do you win an award do you like get your name on a wall like no it's what do you do with that health like the reason why digestion matters is so you can stop thinking about digestion and just live your life and I realized like I've just been so obsessed with like my health and this and that that I wasn't living any kind of life yeah that's amazing yeah oh my god so I yeah, and then I met story. Deepak Chopra literally at a fe- at a conference, randomly walked right up to him and was like, hey, I wrote this book. I'd love to have you write the cover quote to it. He's like, uh, who are you? Yeah. Gave me his email. He I did. sent him the book and he loved it. And now we're like besties and text all the time. Oh <laughs> and yeah, I was going to be like, how did you, how did you do that? That's amazing. Honestly, it's like when you're meant to do something, the universe will throw you all of those things in your direction. And the reason that all of these things happened to me, my health problems my childhood fatness like all of these things happen to me because I am the person who needs to bring Ayurveda out there Mm -hmm. and not and what's been so amazing about like Deepak and so many of like these people of such high caliber like I'm so intimidated standing next to them and they're like no like modernize it like do your thing add that stuff and the only people that I see who are like against what I'm doing are first of all it's women there's a lot of woman versus woman thing Uh men tend to be a lot more supportive a lot of women, it's like cattiness, competitiveness. Like I was on a, a Ayurveda podcast recently. The first question, she's like, so how did you meet Deepak Chopra? I tell her the story. She goes, huh, well, it's probably just luck. I'm just like, oh okay, God. like yeah. you're supposed to be like, we're both in this together, you mm-hmm. know? With spirituality, it's so crazy that there's any element of competition because it's all about dropping the ego. Mm-hmm. And I see this happen. It's like, oh, well, I'm a Kundalini person. Oh, I'm a this person, yeah. that person. And it's like all against each other. It's like, we're all doing the exact same thing. My language might be different from yours, but it's going the same direction. So it's been amazing. It's also been difficult because what I practice is not traditional Ayurveda, you know? Like yeah. I get literally like death threats from people like how can you recommend a smoothie with cauliflower <laughs> like i'm gonna kill the whole world oh my yeah but it just shows that this is so much more needed and you know in life trailblazers are the only people who've made history and, oh preach it girl and my yeah. favorite example is the buddha yeah you know the buddha was a hindu prince mm-hmm. who said it doesn't make sense that there's people outside starving and i'm a prince how could it be that they were just born with worse karma than mm-hmm. me and he sat and he meditated for 40 days 40 days and you know became enlightened which the sanskrit word is the buddha mm-hmm. it's his name was not buddha it was siddhartha so if you're like a traditionalist then everything that you're practicing is a remix of something else true okay can you maybe give some examples i'd like to sort of maybe like give an overview of some main differences between traditional Ayurveda and like the way you see it. Mm-hmm. Some main differences. Because I know a lot of people, like they don't know anything about what a, a traditional Ayurvedic diet is or traditional practices. Right. You know, and I think it'd be cool to sh- give some examples. Yeah. So Ayurveda was created 5,000 years ago in India. So it was written for that, you know, just mm-hmm. like the Bible, like it has great messages, but we can't follow it like exactly yeah. to the thing. <laughs> Because it's an ancient text. So I love the, you know, Ayurveda was so advanced for its time. It's the first ever health system. So Chinese medicine was based off Ayurveda. In year 600 AD, Chinese scholars came to India, studied Ayurveda. By year 800 AD, created traditional Chinese medicine. It's amazing. So yeah, that's why there's a lot of similarities with the five elements they changed air and ether to wood and metal it later on passed down through ship through the shipping trail to japan became macrobiotics it went through the silk road out west to northern egypt became you know the mummification process the surgeries that they do there went up to europe became homeopathy which became materias medicas which became the western medical system Mm. so literally any practice of health can 
go down back to Ayurveda. Yeah. So Ayurveda is not like it has to be a certain diet. It's a theory of of thinking about food as healing us Mm -hmm. and thinking about that we're all individuals and that the mind and body are connected. Now, where my thing differs is the suggestions that Ayurveda gives. Yeah. So Ayurveda... They were farmers back then. Everyone was a farmer or working in a field. So they required a lot of energy. So for them, eating rice Mm -hmm. was a really good choice. You know, they were Hindu. Well, before they weren't Hindu, Hinduism sort of came to become part of Ayurveda. So that's why, you know, the cow was so blessed. Mm -hmm. In Hinduism, cows are holy animals. They're reincarnations of Shiva. So that's why ghee became such a holy thing in Ayurveda. It's like liquid gold uh, because cows were so revered. And also keep in mind, they didn't have avocados back then. They didn't have other sources yeah. of fat. Ghee, they knew you need a source of fat in your diet. Yeah. Fats are really good for you. Mm-hmm. So what they had was ghee. So ghee became everything to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at Ayurveda and how it's practiced in different parts of India, it's so different. Yeah. What we know is the kind of traditional North Indian way but if you go to South India where it's really hot they're eating a lot of like coconut curries and stuff which are not like what we think of as as Ayurveda yeah that's interesting so so I don't recommend all of the rice because I don't think we need that much energy we're not farmers mm-hmm. um also I don't believe that everyone needs to be a vegetarian because we're not all Hindu. We don't all believe in that context. You can be. You don't have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, Ayurveda has a lot of lifestyle suggestions I don't agree with. Like, since it's such a spiritual-based thing, um, not having sex is a big part of it. You're not supposed to have sex more than once a month because it depletes your ojas, your life force. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you're on a path to become, like, a sadhu like a spiritual enlightened being that would make sense but if you're a householder you're just trying to live a normal life I don't think you need to have sex once a month I would recommend doing more um it was also passed down so when the British rule came to India Uh they outlawed Ayurveda it went from being the main medical system like Ayurveda was just your doctor yeah um because they said it was barbaric they said this doesn't make sense so it had to go underground and it actually Though it started in northern India, it went underground. It took refuge in South India in a city called Kerala. Mm -hmm. So it became a kitchen science. Since they were no longer like kind of like hospitals that did it, it had to be like healing through food. Yeah. And that's why now really the focus of Ayurveda is like on food digestion. It's a lot of like Indian home cooking Mm -hmm. because that's just like, how can I add more turmeric to my stuff? How can I add more Cuban? And I love all these spices and I Mm -hmm. think they're great and they have such immense power. But I don't think you need only in Indian food to be healthy. I mm-hmm. mean, if you look at the blue zones around the world, the areas with the l- world's largest lifespans, yeah. they're not all eating Indian food. So mm-hmm. I think it's pretty like naive to say the only healthy diet is Indian food and nothing else. When I was living in India, the family I was living with, they had never, they thought Ayurveda was like a kind of massage. Like people think, oh, in India, everyone's like walking around, practicing yoga, doing Ayurveda. Like not at all. In <laughs> fact, it's way more popular out West uh-huh. than it is there. Like I'm going back to India in December and they're like, they have so many questions about Ayurveda from me. And I'm like, wow, isn't it amazing that like they've lost their own mm-hmm. history because now it's gone so far West. It's like, do- like there's Domino's delivery in the slums. You go to slums, they're ordering wow. Domino's. There's Coke, there's Pepsi, there's all of all of these things. So yeah, I think that 
like I'm writing a cookbook right now called Eat Feel Fresh. Uh um, And it's the recipes are global. I think you can be Thai, you can eat Mexican, you can eat any country and still follow the Ayurvedic principles of eating the right foods for your body Uh without it being traditional Ayurvedic Indian foods. Yeah. So and those types of foods are based on your dosha. Right. So for vatas, it'll be cooked foods, Uh warming, like you know, more spices, stews, things like that. Mm-hmm. For pitta foods, they can eat raw foods. They can eat, they should eat more like Brussels sprouts, asparagus, like light, steamy. Mm-hmm. Um, they can do steamed, but raw or steamed, but nothing too heavy. They definitely should not be doing tomatoes, nightshades, um, onion and garlic. Mm-hmm. Onion and garlic are actually not recommended for anyone on a yogic path mm-hmm. because they kind of mess with your meditation. That's so interesting. Yeah, like um, in the book, I want to have like also like for people on yoga. So a yogic path means you're dedicating your life to yoga. The word yoga means union, union mm-hmm. to the divine. Doesn't mean losing weight and going to core yeah. power yoga. That's what really being a, yo- a yogi is. Mm-hmm. So if you're dedicated to that path, you can't eat onions and garlic because when you eat it, that stench is still, it's in your mouth and actually what when you eat garlic you're triggering a small spasm in your in your like esophagus and Mm -hmm. it's amazing if you don't eat garlic for a month and you eat it you might be able to feel the subtle vibration so that vibration and the the taste of it messes with your meditation and your point of consciousness i mean i just noticed when i eat something with onion and garlic i crave chocolate and desserts after because i want to get rid of the taste interesting it's so funny because i have such like huge reactions to garlic and onion mm. and like a lot of people do just because of the digestive issues right bottom ups. but like i get with the garlic i like my brain goes blurry and I maybe you're like on a yoga you're supposed to be on a yoga class yeah no it's so funny and when because whenever i read about stuff with ayurveda i feel like i connect with it so much but then there will always be something that i'm like meh i don't like that right because it's usually more of a traditionalist view i right. think um Wait, so now I'm, like, curious. I want to be selfish. So, like, okay, wait, so I want to talk about, okay, if you're, like, analyzing me Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, Ayurvedic principles and, like, what suggestions would you be giving me? Well, you're definitely born Vata. I Uh can just tell from the shape of your face, from just, like, the size of your body. You're just, like petite uh-huh. and that's what vatas tend to be um they tend to naturally have more digestive issues because their agni their fire yeah. is low so that's why you're experience i don't know if you're you have like ibs like symptoms yeah yeah it's way better now and with like constipation yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so and like bloating mm-hmm. gas yeah that was always me yeah. yeah so yeah the fact that you're already cooking your foods and integrating like these like bone broths and like yeah. like organ meats and stuff yeah. like that's all written in the is that ancient- why i crave that stuff so much right like- because your body's trying to get back into balance so it's like a pendulum shifting in two ways this is like how i describe it so on one side there's balance on the other side there's imbalance mm-hmm. out of balance and the more balanced you are the pendulum is shifting that direction the more you crave the things that will bring you in balance Mm -hmm. so that's why now you're like oh i don't want a green juice and a smoothie and an acai bowl like maybe mentally you do but your body wants like the warming the grounding the nourishing rejuvenating stuff i always want warm foods and i want like a lot of fat like i like like heavy meals right because that's exactly what your body needs sesame oil would be really good for you interesting um have you heard do you have issues with your period yeah yeah so have you heard of seed cycling i just started today yeah that would be really good for you so excited yeah that's so interesting Mm -hmm. what about like lifestyle things 
So vatas tend to do a lot of things at once. And it's like, I, I mean, we live in such a vata-centric com- mm-hmm. society. Like if you just look at your laptop, you probably have like 20 tabs open at once. I mean, once. I have two laptops. Yeah. <laughs> You're like working on five screens right 20, here. They have, each have 20 <laughs> tabs right. open. So that alone is going to underground you. We're in vata season. It's cold. It's dry. It's We're going into fall. You don't mm-hmm. experience it as much in LA as you would in New York. Mm-hmm. But even if the temperature doesn't change, the quality of the air changes, yeah. you know? Um, so we're all needing to balance our vatas right now. So putting sesame oil like on your whole body, it's called abhyanga. It's a self oil massage. So first do dry brushing. Have you heard of dry brushing? Yeah, I have one. I have one, but I don't do it often enough. I just do it randomly. So that's going to be really good because vatas tend to have a harder time detoxing because their bodies are trying to hold, hold, hold. That detox kind of happens when it has enough and it can it can give like when you're constipated the last thing your body wants to do is detox yeah so dry brushing since your skin's your largest organ literally removes the dead skin cells off your skin surface and it allows you to breathe and have more oxygen more prana in your Mm -hmm. system so you literally just take like a dry loofah brush or whatever you can get at whole foods and you always brush long strokes towards your heart so like up your legs up your stomach you can do it in circular counterclockwise motion so it's like with your digestion and then you can take a shower warm shower so you're like opening up your pores more and then follow it up with sesame oil or you can even put oil before the shower and just sit in the steam and Mm. let that oil penetrate in yeah that's so cool. And even putting like oil on your feet before you sleep and um, putting socks on so it can really like penetrate through. Um, with Vatas, it's just like grounding, like not doing all of the things, <laughs> like having as much of a routine as possible. So Vatas tend, so the pendulum, when it shifts out of balance, Vatas want to do no routine. They eat whenever they they feel like it. Maybe they forget to eat some days. Mm. They sleep one day at 10. The next day it's at 4 a.m. It's all over the place. And the body functions best when it knows what to expect. When you're sleeping at the same time every night, your body's like, oh, it's bedtime. I'm going to get tired. Yeah. But the same thing happens with eating and we don't talk about that. So when your body knows like, oh, 1 p.m. is when I get my meal, two hours beforehand, it's going to be like, okay, secrete digestive enzymes, get the hydrochloric acid ready, like get everything ready for this digestive process, which takes up 80% of our daily energy expenditure. But if I'm saying, oh, it's 1 p.m., I don't know, I feel like going out now it's four, your body's like, wait, I don't even know, am I supposed to be eating right now or not? It's not prepared. So Mm -hmm. the more you have this routine, the better your body's going to function. Yeah, that's interesting. What about in terms of movement for the different doshas? So vatas need to build, but not overexert. So weight training would be good for you, but you don't want to be going to like hit weight training because that's going to be like, way too much for you so like literally like doing like really slow movements this where you're like, like feeling your crazy. body crazy is that what you love yeah, yeah that's exactly what i like and like yeah people think i'm weird because i don't do traditional like no that's what your body yeah. needs and it's a sign that you're balanced and uh-huh. your body knows what it needs whereas if you were like when like when i was a super out of balance vata i was like spin class yeah. like run around like oh weights mm-hmm. you know and and eat all like just eat randomly throughout the day stay up late eat at night even not eat in the morning just have no routine so that's the the pendulum was out of balance so since yours is in balance you're like yes warming foods slow weight training but it doesn't have to be every day like you can alter it with just like walks in nature like literally oh my god yeah taking taking your shoes off and putting your feet in soil because the earth has negative like Mm -hmm. ions and it helps yeah yeah, it balances our electromagnetic frequency and you know there's so many amazing studies that Deepak's a huge huge proponent of this but since the invention of rubber rubber soles rubber is like 
it blocks energy. Like if you touch electricity with rubber, you won't yeah. feel it. So since the invention of rub- rubber soles, the amount of diseases has gone up and they believe it's related to the lack of grounding because when they do, I just wrote a blog post about this, but they had um, people go back to grounding or even using a grounding mat mm-hmm. and a lot of their issues were like reversing. What are your opinions on like on the grounding mats, the grounding blankets? Versus, yeah, I don't like, know about the blank. going outside. So going outside obviously is is the best way. There's no, you know, we can't compare a mat to Mother Earth. Yeah, that's how I feel too. But at the same time. But I think with the mats, um, so Deepak sent me one because he's a huge like mm-hmm. proponent of it. And I've been trying it and I noticed like my lower back hurt less. Mm-hmm. And I've always had kind of like lower back aches and I don't know if it's related to just the surface of it being firmer or if it's related to it actually blocking like the EMF so for me I'm like you know it it might work it might not but there's no harm in trying it Mm -hmm. so if you feel like it's something that can benefit you like try it if you don't believe in it it's not going to work yeah you know just like everything in life and the purpose of it is for people who you know they're living in New York City they haven't stepped on earth for like five years you know this is better for them than like living in their little like concrete jungle but being outside in nature with your feet in the soil is like the best way okay so I'm curious like I'm curious about like how you live your life Mm -hmm. and stuff like how what your diet is like and your movement and like any maybe I don't know Ayurvedic practices that you incorporate like I'm curious about all of that so tell me so what's your diet like So it really varies. I also really like to sync with my period Mm. where I am in that. And that's something that Ayurveda doesn't talk about. And it's because it's been passed on by men. I think I'm like kind of one of the first Ayurveda female authors. That's amazing. Yeah. So they're like, oh, period, scary. Let's not talk about that. So I will shift what I'm, how I'm exercising according to where I am in my cycle, doing like more like boxing and intense stuff if I'm ovulating Mm. and then like less intense stuff if I'm menstruating. Um, As a Vata, I don't get regular periods, Uh you know, like I have a very long gap between my periods. So it's, I know if I go to like too many spin classes or cardio classes, even though that feels really fun for me, Mm -hmm. this time between my periods is going to get longer. Interesting. So it's not what I need. So I'll rotate it. I'm a huge, I was a dancer growing up. I love that. So I love bar classes. Um, I think bar is a really good way of having that mind body connection in your workout without it just being yoga. Cause sometimes in yoga, you're like, no, I want to build muscle and yeah. yoga. You are building muscle, but it's repetitive. You know, you're chaturanga and you're this, that you're not working like your glutes and you're yeah. not getting as many different parts of your body as you are in a traditional exercise. So that's why I like bar. Cause you have that mind body component. You have the stretching, yeah. but you're still working out Mm -hmm. um so I do that um I was intermittent fasting for two years like 16 Mm -hmm. hour fasts and I stopped doing that recently because that was screwing with my estrogen levels I'm so glad you brought that up yeah yeah um and I was not like so we were talking about like keto s when I was taking it for those three months I didn't get my period Mm -hmm. and I was just like what yeah that's another one just the general information it's like all these people are hopping on the intermittent fasting train i'm like i don't think this is a good idea for women at all when like it's not good for anybody who has adrenal dysfunction or like you know their body isn't at 100 percent basically and if you're a woman living in america your your body's not ready for it for sure and not to mention you know just like in terms of our hormones it's so bad i mean it's like you 
it's like the female body is so different than male yeah. bodies that we can't look at my boyfriend did keto it worked really well for him or mark sisson looks amazing and he's 70 or whatever it's like he has a totally different structure than him his body is not designed to hold another life exactly and so. that's i mean yeah and even just i mean besides intermittent fasting the keto thing that's what women sure. don't women just think that oh keto this will like i want to lose weight and i'm like i trust me most women don't lose weight on keto no i was actually when i was intermittent fasting the most i was eating a meal a day because oh i kept on being like oh probably i'm eating still too much still yeah. too much and, and i kept down, gaining gaining yeah, weight exactly because my hormones happens. were just screwed up and i mm. had a blood test and i was producing almost no estrogen like just none yeah so that's why it's so important for women to like listen to like not just what men are saying. It's so important to follow female bloggers and female mm-hmm. this. And I just noticed, like, I mean, working with, like, I see f- f- female keto people and it's like, I don't want my body to be like that. Yeah. I just want my body to look like the best version of me. I'm not trying to look like a bodybuilder if that's mm-hmm. not how my body is, like, meant to be. So I think there's a lot of pressure to, like, look like a certain way, like a mm-hmm. fitness competitor or this and that. And it's like, really not all of our bodies were designed like that and that's okay like body diversity is a beautiful thing exactly and it's this confirmation bias it's like somebody will see a photo of somebody so i think people don't realize how messed up i guess their expectations are like like you're saying say you see a picture of mark sisson with his ripped abs and i'm a 22 year old woman and i think oh (laughs) if eating keto is gonna make mark look like that then i'll look like that too you know but i could also go and do that for any other type of diet i could go online and look at freely the banana girl and say right. well that's gonna make me look like freely with her abs you know and, and some like, people naturally just have abs. yeah their like, bodies like from the time they were like six years old they had abs mm-hmm. some people it's just not gonna happen yeah. like for me it's very very hard for me to have abs mm-hmm. it's just where my body stores fat the only time in my life that i had like six packs and was shredded is because i was emaciated and yeah, well, all i was doing like, was exercising and women are supposed to have abs because no we're you need to body have fat. fat so we can have children exactly like, that's why it's so much easier for men to because they don't their bodies allow for it like exactly they were supposed to be they were out hunting and they're not trying to have a baby exactly you know? yeah i mean estrogen is stored in fat it's like how how is your body going to produce estrogen yeah. when you have no body fat on you like we're like i want to get rid of the lower belly pooch it's like well yeah. that's where your baby would have been yeah. so it's basically and people and, are like if i don't want to have a baby why does it matter it's oh like but that's how your body was meant to operate so the fact yeah. that you're infertile mm-hmm. shows there's a lot of other things going yeah. on too and it's like you you think about other cultures and other time periods like fertility is what is valued in in other cultures that extra being curvy is what's beautiful like looking so thin and so skinny what isn't prized like then you're sick right like and somehow our culture just totally right no it's exactly it and makes me so sad and i don't think it's the men i think the men are still into the curvy they're still yeah, into that it's just so us too. doing yeah. it to each other yeah exactly because we're always just because trying it's to willpower chase. yeah really that's what it is it's saying oh like you can't say no to cake oh mm-hmm. you can't say no to greek yogurt like yeah. oh i've oh restricted my, my diet like <laughs> this much like i've done it yeah. that much and it's like i remember when i was like in college and like raw vegan i thought i was better than people who mm-hmm. weren't it was elitism and i'm gonna come out and say it as someone who is full-on in the community it's so much elitism like there was sitting around talking about huh, those carnivores disgusting yeah oh my god that happens yeah i love that you brought that up it's so true and it's like that i mean i think it's like that in this space now it's like just throwing out the labels is people use it as oh i'm better than i'm like 
Yeah. It's not. And it's all and it's all from yourself. It's like, you know, like when they're when you're not controlling anything in your life, Mm -hmm. you seek to control food. And Mm -hmm. that's what eating disorders and all that stuff comes from. But like in my life, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know where I wanted to live. I was so confused about so many things. But you know what? I know if I eat these things, I'll get skinnier. Yeah. So let me just focus on the that. The one thing you can you think you can control. Yeah. And then it gets out of yeah, control. Yeah, and you know, the skinnier and I get, the more popular yeah. I'll get. And then it gets to a point that people are like worried for you. Mm-hmm. But like in a way, like my sick mind was like, oh, it's a compliment. They're yeah. worried for me. Yeah, no. Oh my gosh. You're like, we're the same person. Yeah. Like I love everything you're saying. No, it's yeah. so true. Quick stop because I just want to talk about Beauty Counter really quickly. I know you guys know that I love Beauty Counter. I'm a consultant for them, if you didn't know. But I'm really passionate about it because I'm very passionate about using non-toxic personal care products because so many of the personal care products that people put on their bodies every single day have really harmful ingredients because the personal care industry in the United States is really not regulated right now. And it's scary because a lot of those products have a lot of hormone disruptors, endocrine disruptors, carcinogens in them that can cause long-term health effects. It can cause infertility. It can cause people to lose their periods. It can cause asthma, cancer. It can cause autoimmune diseases. All of these things can come up because of the products we use on our bodies that absorb into our skin and get into our bloodstream and i think it's just really important to use safe products so if you're interested in switching over to non-toxic personal care products i highly recommend you check out beauty counter and you can go to beautycounter.com christina rice to shop and right now our holiday sets just went live and i highly recommend you order now because they usually sell out pretty quickly and it's just a great way to get your holiday shopping done out of the way and also get some stuff for yourself the brand new ultimate nudes eyeshadow palette is literally the best eyeshadow palette i've ever used in my whole life like ever like non-toxic toxic all of it i've never used something so incredible and also the winter jewels palette is amazing but there's something for everybody there's something for babies and kids and your best friend your mom your dad and we're also coming out with a new liquid eyeliner in a few weeks so that's really exciting i can't wait for you guys to try it out so make sure that you go to beautycounter.com slash christina rice to shop and if you spend over a hundred dollars definitely become a band of beauty member because it costs 30 bucks to become one for the year and you get free shipping you get 15 percent product credit every time you shop and you get a free gift for signing up and the gift is worth more than the membership so it pays for itself so i definitely recommend signing up for that but yeah get your holiday shopping done get yourself a bomb eyeshadow palette and feel better about not putting toxins in your body because clean beauty is where it's at okay that's all i have to say i hope you liked that beautycounter.com slash christina rice Back to Sahara. Okay, what about other, like, so do you, like, oil pull and, like, brush your tongue? and? Yeah, like so so I wake up in the morning. Um, yeah, what's your morning I, routine? Yeah. Wait, I love this. <laughs> before I open my eyes, I recall my dreams. I have very vivid dreams. Um, the more you meditate and stuff, your dreams are going to become so much more, like, lively. Mm-hmm. I see everything in my dreams I, I literally watched my ex cheat on me in a dream Stop. and and 
and texted him and it was true like I, oh, I watched it happen my like God. my dreams are that spot on that's crazy yeah I've seen so many things in my dreams so um I'll did rec- you see this no I didn't, I didn't I didn't see this um but like I'll see I'll see messages for people like literally like I saw where my soul is from like in India the Saraswati River and it like showed me exactly like your soul is from this river it's called Saraswati River and I was like thinking there's no river in like North India yeah. like the Ganges River so I wake up and I google Saraswati River mm-hmm. it was this river that dried up 5,000 years ago where Ayurveda was written that's insane. like how could that come in my yeah. mind so when I'm going to India I'm going to retrace it and oh find my it God, I love that. so I recall my dreams and um if you aren't used to it yet I recommend writing it down because only when you're really advanced can you recall it and remember and still be able to talk about it because dreams come and mm-hmm. go then I um will warm up water like just press the tea kettle and I'll do like kind of like stretches like kind of like the kundalini type ones like stretching your like chest and your shoulders and stuff and just kind of like grounding in my body and like waking my body up like vatas tend to get really stiff when they wake up so I feel like it's like cobwebs in my body every day that I have to like retake out then I will brush my teeth and tongue scrape, which is like a U-shaped thing to remove ama toxins from your tongue. Mm-hmm. I don't oil pull every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I will sometimes. Other times I, I won't. I don't think it's like something that's like you need to do. Yeah. Like I think the more we have these need to do things, the less we're going to do them. So it's like do it if it works. If it doesn't, mm-hmm. you don't have to. Also, it doesn't need to be 20 minutes. I told my Ayurvedic teachers in India, I'm like, does it have to be 20 minutes? That's what like yeah. well, well and good said. Yeah. They're, they're like, no. That's what told me. Yeah. <laughs> they're like it's like three to five minutes Mm -hmm. like you could do it up to 20 minutes but people in India the Ayurveda people are not doing that Mm -hmm. so if I do it it's like kind of like while I'm walking around getting ready and I'm not I don't have a timer on or anything like that and then I practice some sort of physical movement in the in the morning um recently I've been drinking coconut water and I wasn't doing that for a long time because I was afraid of the sugar and stuff (laughs) um but I have a really dry body like Mm -hmm. my skin gets dry my hair gets dry and I've noticed the coconut water in the morning like really helps hydrate my system and I was like getting really thirsty in like the afternoons every day like so thirsty and drinking so much water and like no amount of water could fix that Mm -hmm. um and the having coconut water in the morning before I exercise helps it takes me out of the fast but it's also like I don't have to eat food because I do genuinely not like to eat food when I wake up I'm not hungry Mm -hmm. so the coconut water is enough to kind of get me out of the fast fill me up with electrolytes and then I'll do some sort of exercise, whether it's yoga or spinning or depends where I am on my period cycle. Then I come back and then that's when I eat like my first meal of the day. So that'll be something like like if I do bread, I like the Justin's coconut flour bread. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to do a lot of like like grainy things in general just because my blood sugar does if I start. Yeah it will be like, I'll crave it for the rest of the day. Um, So my lunch is more low glycemic. Like now I can do salads and be totally okay. But before it would be like steamed vegetables with like eggs and avocado and tahini and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for a snack, I'll eat like, I don't know, like jicama with like the majestic sprouted hummus or like an avocado with like seaweed or... um, yeah, different things like that. I try not to snack so much because it's like it kind of gets in the way of your digestive yeah. system. And then for dinner, I'll eat like something more warm, like a soup or something more grounded. And that's like if I do something raw, it'll be for lunch and my dinner will be more of like a cooked meal, like even just stir frying vegetables. Like I try to keep it really simple. I honestly don't love to spend tons of time in the kitchen. Yeah. So just something in and out. 
That's so interesting. Yeah. What about, do you do anything special before bed? Um, I like to stretch again before I sleep. So I am a night owl. Mm-hmm. Like I wrote my whole book between the hours of like 10 p.m. and like 3 a.m. Yeah. That's just how, and like I've tried to fight it a lot because in Ayurveda it's very like, there are certain times of the day that you do things. But they didn't have electricity back then. Yeah. You know, things were different. You had to wake up yeah. by f- 4 or 5 a.m. because you were needed in the rice field. And yeah. by 6 p.m., there's no more light. So you're not going to stay up talking all night, uh-huh. you know? Exactly. So um, I do know the circadian rhythm affects you and stuff. But honestly, I wouldn't have any of the work that I have if I'd stuck to that thing during the day. That's just my mind is not at its most creative self unless it's at nighttime. And it's because energetically, like in the world, so much is going on during the day. Everyone's out and about and like you pick up on that. Mm -hmm. So I can't stay focused on like trying to think of this creative vision when it's like, oh, I have until four o'clock and then I have an interview. Like I can't get there. So during the day, I mean, I do more of like my managerial stuff of like whatever clients, this, that. But then at night after I eat dinner is when I get to like my real work. It's so funny because I'm the same exact way. And yeah. I like, it's annoying to me. I I get my best work done like first thing in the morning if I wake up right. really early. And it's like from then until like nine. And then the middle of the, the whole day, I'm just like, I can't do anything useful. And then from like after dinner until like one or two a.m., like I'm in it. I'm yeah. in the zone. Well, it's also, so the doshas, they have a 24 hour cycle. Mm -hmm. So it's like between 6am and 10am, it's kapha time. The earth is starting the day. We're more slow. That's why it's a good time to exercise first thing in the morning Mm -hmm. because it will like get you going for the rest of the day. 10am to 2pm is pitta time. So that's your best time for like managerial tasks, organization, like brain, like, you know, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. becomes Vata time. And that's when Ayurveda says you should be scheduling your creative stuff because they weren't up all night. Um, So, but that's also the time that we tend to like crash or like want to snack or something like that. It's like that afternoon slump. And then 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. again, kapha time. Now the sun is setting and the earth is settling. So again, that's a time to do like your self-care, take a bath, put oil on. Um, like I am I always have oil in my skin. And anytime I have a free night, my boyfriend's not over, putting shit on my face, yeah. on my hair, like oh, anything yeah. I can do. Even if he's there, then he does it with me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh um, so I'm always trying to figure out a way like... Um, like last time I did a bentonite clay armpit mask. Yeah. Cause like your armpits shouldn't have a smell. Like mm-hmm. honestly, they, your sweat shouldn't smell like anything, yeah. maybe a little. And I was noticing that it was. And honestly, I noticed every time I use these natural deodorants, my sweat will smell. Yeah. So and I don't. And it's like, wait, they're causing it. Mm-hmm. And it's like from the essential oil, it's just the way that your bacteria matches. So I'll do this mask whenever that happens. And it's like bentonite clay, apple cider vinegar, and water. Mm-hmm. And you literally just put on your armpits. And it helps like get in there. And then I did it again this morning before I exercise because when you exercise, your pores open so it can like penetrate it deeper. Okay, literally, one sometime when your boyfriend's busy, I'm coming over and we're doing armpit masks. Yeah. That's so fun. No, he gets happy when I do that. Oh my God. No, that's amazing. Wait, so what time do you usually go to sleep and wake up? I mean, it just kind of depends on like what's going on. So when I was writing this book, you know, I was sleeping late, yeah, 2, 3 a.m. because I was working 14-hour days, yeah. you know? Um, but now, since the book's come out, it's like, you know, if I'm doing interviews and stuff, that's more towards the day. My days are a lot more full. So, like, last night I slept at, like, midnight, which in my life, like, this is, like, probably the earliest mm-hmm. that I've been sleeping, like, midnights. Like, mm-hmm. 
I don't think even since I was like eight years old, I slept before midnight. And I used to fight this for a long time. Like, why can't I just be one of those people who wakes up in the morning and productive? But I'm like, you know what? Like, honor your energy. And I would rather like start my day a little earlier and have amazing work done than not have that work done and lose out because what I followed some rule like um who's the guy the bulletproof guy Dave Dave Asprey Asprey. yeah Yeah, like he was saying how he does all of his things at night too and he's Mm -hmm. just a very like you know creative type Mm -hmm. and so Vata again I forgot to finish the doshas (laughs) but um 10 p.m to 2 a.m is pitta time again so you get that second wave of energy so that's why if you're not in bed by 10 p.m., which is when Ayurveda says, uh-huh. you get the second wind that you're like, let me clean my house. Let me do this. Let that's me do that. so funny. Yeah. Okay. So that's why Ayurveda says get to sleep by then so you're not up all night. Yeah. Um, and then at 2 a.m., we begin vata time. So that's why... 2 a.m. is like the kundalini kriya time when they like get up and they do their kriyas like their meditations because the veils between the earth and universe are lifted yeah so you're able to like tap more into basically your highest self what that means and it's literally because like the earth is so quiet you know like you can walk outside no one's awake it's such a meditative time so for artists that's why like they come alive at night yeah because it's like finally like all this craziness has settled down and i can tune into really my dharma so i honor that if you can honor it yeah Yeah. no i think and speaking of that i feel like so this all kind of intertwines i've noticed like i can't get things done during the day because i'm just overstimulated like everybody's texting me emailing me right it's in my face and this all also relates to just how i feel like we've gotten so far away from like how we're supposed to be and i talk about this all the time and it relates to I mean, I feel like Ayurveda is all about grounding and like, right. Like, and what, you, what you talk about being your, like finding your highest self mm-hmm. and just like stepping back. We're just, all, it's just too much this world. Right. right. And like what you were talking about in your podcast with the DMS, yes. like, like, I feel like it we go down in the yeah, DMS. Yeah. <laughs> we see eye to eye on like the, these types of issues. And I'm, that's why I'm so excited to have you on here. And I want to like, before we end, I kind of want to talk about this stuff too. Yeah. Like your perspective on just like, I don't even know all of that like the technology and how we're all so connected and just like the emails and the calls and the dms like thoughts yeah so i am the kind of person that if i see like a message i like need to respond to it i can't i can't not Mm -hmm. like some people like they're like oh like once a week i answer all my emails like that would drive me crazy Mm -hmm. so i need to either not see it or answer it yeah so if I'm going to always be answering it all my life, I'm just going to be an email responder. I'm never going to get exactly. through anything. And with Instagram DMs, it's just taken it to a whole other level. Uh-huh. So I was realizing in my day, I would wake up. The first thing I would do is check my DMs and try to get through let me respond to at least 30 of these, mm-hmm. you know? And since I'm doing like really intense Ayurveda health stuff, it's like people who have cancer and need help. People who, you know, really were in abusive relationships, yeah. this, that. And I can't respond with a heart. Yeah. You know, if I was just blogging about cupcakes, maybe I could be like, love you too. Yeah. They need responses. Mm-hmm. So I was spending so much time just responding to people, responding to people that I wasn't having a morning practice anymore. Every time I'm waiting for an elevator, let me respond to DMs. I'm sitting in traffic, let me respond to DMs. I'm just like, it's like this never ending to-do mm-hmm. list and the thing is when you start answering someone's dms then they're like oh well she's open to a- answering all my questions so let me ask her about everything yeah what kind of sunflower seed butter do you use yeah what kind of, this? What kind of that it's like yeah do i look like ask jeeves like, seriously 
Oh, dumbass DMs. Like, I'm just like, are you freaking kidding? And I'm like, why don't you Google it? Like, literally Google it. Yeah, and it's like, if you, you know, I love that they're asking me. I love that they're what Mm -hmm. I'm all about. And it gives me, it makes me so happy. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't be the person I am if all I did was just answer people's little questions that they could Google, that they could try, that they need to learn. People are like, what should I do about my brand? Like, I don't know anything about your brand. I don't even know you. I can't answer this question. And I'm doing them a disservice. So mm-hmm. I was like trying to help them. And I was like, wow, I'm actually inhibiting them from making their own life choices and also preventing me from living my life in the present. How can I be the spiritual teacher when I'm on my phone all the time? Mm-hmm. So I decided to turn off my DM. So you have this option that you can. It's basically where it says story. You can hit people can't answer to your story yeah. because really people aren't sending you the message. They're responding to your story. Yeah. It's like, you know, they put a picture of us talking. Oh my God, love her. What kind of shirt are you wearing? Yeah. What do you put in your hair? <laughs> da, 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 da. Like so many things. So I put a stop in that. And at first I felt, I was thinking about it for a few days and I was mm-hmm. like, people are going to hate me. I'm going to seem like such a bitch. Like I'm going to seem so entitled. Like I need to answer to everyone. And then I was like, you know what? I, if they love me, if they love what I'm all about, they're going to respect this. So I wrote that, said that podcast episode and I've gotten such a positive response from people. I haven't gotten a single message from people like, what, you're not responding to everyone's DMs anymore. It's like people are like, and I invite everyone, even if you're not an influencer, just turn it off because every time you read a spirituality book, a psychology book, any kind of wellness book, they're like, don't answer your emails all the time. Don't constantly be opening your inbox. It's like the number one thing that's bad for your mental health. Mm -hmm. Instagram DMs has not even existed for a year. For yeah. a book to come out takes is about a one to two year long process. So there is no books that talk about ways to use your Instagram DM for your cognitive health. Mm-hmm. So think of it like emails. Think of it like that thing you lump sum in one category when it's important and the things that aren't important, you don't even respond. Yeah. Well, then, well, how do you handle like comments and emails and like other the other ways people are reaching as well someone sends me like they can still send me a message they just can't reply to the story Mm -hmm. so if they send me a message and it's like just thank you so much for everything you've done for me like I love your book you changed my life of course I'm going to respond to that Mm -hmm. I love that I thank them but if it's just like they're like wondering what kind of shoes I wear I don't even open that you know or just like random things like like they asked me so many questions about Ayurveda, they haven't bought my book. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if you haven't even spent twelve dollars to r- buy my book, then yeah. I don't need to be answering all of your questions. I don't even take clients anymore. Yeah. So, it's like, I will respond when I feel like it's they are coming at me with like an authentic and loving place. Uh-huh. Like sometimes in the messages, if they're like, I know you're so busy, but if you could please offer me advice of course I'll respond to that but if it's coming from they don't even say hi what kind of podcast equipment do you use yeah it's like that's coming from a place of taking Mm -hmm. and I'm not even respond to that that's a really good differentiation I think people don't understand the different types of messages yeah and the good thing about when you turn off the story replies when someone sends you a DM it goes into that others folder the Mm -hmm. requests folder Mm -hmm. so like if you don't even open it they don't even see that you've read it so my whole thing was like shit they saw that I read it so now I have to reply yeah whereas that it's like you can just pick and choose and then if they keep on asking me questions then I'm just not going to open that message anymore so I turned off my dms for like two days and like got so many messages the other way being like why did you turn off your dms like I'm freaking out blah blah and I got I hundreds of emails about it 
So you're obviously making yourself really at service for these people. I was like, <laughs> I can't do that. Like, now I'm stressed about my, like, I mean, I'm already stressed about my email. I think we all get stressed about emails. But oh, no. Like, emails now, I created a separate email that's for, like, my work-related stuff. Uh-huh. And that's something that, yeah, like, twice a week I'll go through. But if it's, like, a specific question about, like, their aunt's kidney, mm-hmm. I can't answer that. Legally, I yeah. cannot answer that, you yeah. know? people you have to be seen by a professional Mm -hmm. like we're here educating you we're here offering you advice but really we're teaching you to take care of yourself exactly yeah so you can't come to us about your cancer treatment or this and that like that sucks and we wish we could help Mm -hmm. but you need to be treated by someone who knows everything about your history because one little thing that's off if we give you the wrong advice god forbid what could happen so that's why like if someone asks me about like cancer, I'm like, go to the Ann Wigamore Center. Mm-hmm. Like go to these people who this is what they do and they need to see you one-on-one. Yeah, and I think that's the issue. People don't people don't want to pay for one-on-one service. Like, and to, for me, it's like people will send me these really long, really like touching life stories and be like, can you please help me? And in my head, I'm like, I'm really sorry, but it's unfair to my paying clients who like I need to be focused on. Right. And you know, like for me to just sit here and respond to everybody's emails like as much as it kills me like yeah. I wish I could help everybody but I, like I can't and like it's not fair to the people who are coming to me well more than that it's not fair to yourself yeah exactly yeah I'm like I'm burning myself out answering random people who I really don't owe anything to right versus like I should be putting my energy into people who are you know put it into your education so you can you know end up helping more people that Mm -hmm. way write a book do all of these things that's what I love about being an author is like I created this one piece this material this guide Mm -hmm. that can go and help so many thousands of people to heal themselves you know it's not something that I have to go and fix them it's like I'm giving you the same tools that I read Mm -hmm. and you can apply them anyway in your life so spend that time on studying and even I have like in my email like it's in the contact it's like contact for like collaborations da 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 like Sahara does not answer personal questions yeah. it says that right on the contact thing so if for some reason they've still answered me personal questions like they know they're not going to get a response yeah yeah so how do you, I mean do you have like phone use rules for yourself like do you like not check your phone all the time so yes like what I love about working at night is I don't need to check my phone I can literally just charge it in another room and uh-huh. just do my own thing but during the day it's like I have like literary agents this that yeah. editors all of these people which is why I can't I actually did a story about this yesterday it's like if I have two hours between meetings I can't get into my creative self. yeah exactly. so I kind of just kill that time like answering emails and like yeah. doing those things so during the day my I just like to get things done as fast as possible so I have my phone around me and then once it's at nighttime I just put it away and that's when I can really go in yeah that's so interesting and you only check email twice a week for like yeah for like I have a separate email that's like for my agents and my editors and that I'm checking but the one that's like my contact thing like yeah that's like twice a week that's so cool okay you need to set those boundaries for yourself it's the most important thing that women don't do and that's why they don't why are men more successful because they set boundaries I know it's you think a guy sitting around answering every person's email who wants a piece of his brain is Mark Sisson everyone who needs to learn how to be paleo he's like (laughs) let me tell you how yeah he wouldn't be who he is he wouldn't be able to help the number of people he is so truly if you want to help people it's to set that boundary for yourself because that self-respect 
effect and it's giving them permission to do the same Mm -hmm. because if they're saying wow she's not giving all my free time to me for free maybe my time's also valuable too yeah and it creates this new paradigm that we need right now yeah no i think we really need it right now i feel like everybody feels really entitled to and it's all Thanks. it's honestly because we're not talking to our neighbors. We're not talking to the people around us that like we feel lonely. Mm-hmm. Like they're messaging you not to waste your time, but because they're lonely, because they're exactly. like are lost, they're confused, they don't know who to reach out to because they don't talk to their neighbor, they don't talk to their friend, they don't talk to people around them. So we need more in-person relationships. We need more community. So we don't feel like we need to spill our heart out to a stranger on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's such a good point. And like and I I recognize that so often with the loneliness thing. It's like the people who respond to every single story I post, like, cool, fun, love that. I'm just like, oh, girl, get off your phone, like, go outside, talk to somebody else. Like, because I know you're just sitting there, like, responding. And, like, I love the interaction. I love the engagement that you're enjoying, like, what I'm doing. But at the same time, I want you to go live your life. And also just think about, like, each little fun, cool, this, mm-hmm. that, that takes time. It mm-hmm. takes time to send. It takes time to read. Is your life any better from them saying cool, fun? No. Is theirs? No. no. It's just a pointless interaction. Yeah. Have yeah. your story and put it up. Like, you know, if an, an artist puts up their stuff in a museum, they're not sitting around, give me all your comments. I want to hear them. It's yeah. up. And they're doing, they're working on their next masterpiece. Yeah. No, that's such a good point. I, I love that. And, oh, we're like running out of time, but you guys need to go to her podcast and listen. I really, everybody Yay. should also listen to the podcast about how wellness is expensive. Yeah. Any like quick things you want to say about that? Yeah. So that one, um, I started as the neat, like when I started talking about it, I don't script anything. I just kind of let whatever yeah. comes through. So it was about the need for diversity and wellness mm-hmm. because, you know, with wellness online, it's a lot of the same type of people you see white, upper middle class women with lots of money who have an acupuncturist and a chiropractor and a functional medicine doctor who costs $500 an hour and it someone makes it to like. so unapproachable. Right. And then they're like, oh my God, I'm so well. I have a squad of people whose whole team is to keep me well. Mm-hmm. If I am a single black woman living in South Central LA, which is where I work. Mm-hmm. I teach inner city kids in South Central and I teach their mother. So I talk about my experiences. Mm-hmm teaching there and what wellness looks like from the people who live on the other side of LAX Mm -hmm. which is like you know the places that we would never go but do they not deserve to be well do they not deserve they they need it more than anyone so I just talk about my experiences and how it's such a bigger issue than we think it doesn't have to you know I went in there being like I'm going to teach the kids in South Central I'm doing such an amazing thing and I don't know how much time we have left but um I saw when I was there, I'm telling them to eat, not eat these things that are being served to them in school. And for most of them, it's the only meal they eat that day. Yeah. So how can I tell them don't eat dairy, don't eat wheat when they're fed mac and cheese and a carton of milk every day? Cause yeah. that's what's subsidized. Most of these kids don't eat dinner. Mm-hmm. They don't have parents at home. And if they do, the parents are, you know, working on drugs in a gang, things like that. The most common dinner consumed were Doritos and Chips Ahoy cookies. So how can I even begin to tell them what a micronutrient is when this is where they're at? So I think we, there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle that come together. So I invite everyone to listen to that episode on highest self podcast. It's like episode 32, I think. And it's a discussion. It's like, I'm open to hearing what you guys think needs to be done. Yeah. Because it's like, what is somebody supposed to do about that. I mean, I kind of had this conversation after I went to the 
What's the official name? The Goop, the Goop Summit. And yeah. did you go to that? No, it's like $1,500. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, and I got, it was like, it was just insane. And like the goodie bags were out of control. And, you know, people think Goop, like health. And afterwards I was like making a story and I was like, you guys, you know, all this stuff is like, you know, it's fun for a day. It's like bougie. It's kind of like, it's super extra. And like, but at the end of the day, like this isn't true wellness. No. Like, and it's not true health. And like, you don't need all of these things. You don't need half of these things to have health or wellness. Exactly. And I just kind of ranting about that. And I got so many messages from people being like, thank you so much because I see all these people on Instagram and I can't afford all these products they're using and I can't afford. Right. And, like, and it broke my heart. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, you don't need freaking all these random ass potions and ashwagandha and like you don't need these things for no. health and wellness you no know? like you don't need to spend all this money like can we take it back a step to where health and wellness can just be a state of mind and a state of being something ex- accessible to truly everybody but that's not profitable for these I companies know, so exactly. they're not going to be like wait you actually don't need any of this just like get rid of all your stress exactly. they're like no let's stress you out more mm-hmm. and then sell you this aura potion yeah for five hundred dollars in order to yeah. be healthy and to have wellness like it's an industry like anything else and it's really important for us to be like mindful of like what we're being sold mm-hmm. and if you have the money for it and you can have a squad of people and spend thousands of dollars a month on your wellness, great. That's amazing. Yeah, like you're, but you're you so lucky. But the, it's the fact that these people tend to be the, the bloggers who are like the authority figures mm-hmm. in wellness. So then the other people who don't even have health insurance are like, wait, how am I going to hire like a functional medicine doctor when I don't even have a dentist Yeah, and, and my teeth are hurting, yeah. you know? like When I can't even put dinner on the table. Yes, like, yeah. exactly. So that's why... we need to just show more sides of it and just like bring it down to like wellness is eating vegetables Mm -hmm. and like what we were doing with these moms in South Central is the Santa Monica Farmer's Market um, donates bags of produce to these mothers and then we were teaching them like recipes like I taught them like hummus with like peanut butter and like Mm -hmm. a can of chickpeas and like things like little things they could do that are super affordable and that's giving them the solution so that's Mm -hmm. really what we need of like here's food you can eat and this is how you can make it I mean then again a lot of them still they don't have the time which is like a whole other thing Mm -hmm. but we can all help in a little way and that's according to our dharma like what we do best like if you're good at working one-on-one with people like be a mentor to someone if you're good at working and making money donate money like whatever you're good at there are ways that we can help and if everyone just helped and however they were how what came naturally to them the world will be balanced it's really the imbalance is happening because we're not sharing our gifts we're keeping it to ourselves which is the opposite of dharma dharma is to be so full of love so full of what you're good at that you just naturally want to share it with the world and that is being your highest self Oh my God, I love that. Okay, that was a really good way to kind of like end it. Yes. I could talk to you for 500 hours. Well, you know that yeah. since I've kept you here all <laughs> freaking day. But if somebody wants to learn more about Ayurveda, learn more about you, where can they get your book and find more info? And yeah, um, they can go on my website. It's I am Sahara Rose, Sahara like the desert dot com. And my Instagram is I am Sahara Rose. My book is The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. It's available anywhere books are sold. And um, on my website, I have a quiz you can take to find out your mind body type. So mm-hmm. I recommend taking it and it has like a little free free three day mini course. And I have tons of like little free downloads and stuff on my website. And yeah, 
reach out to me. I guess you can't send me a DM, but yeah, <laughs> comment. Send me a DM. I, I, I respond to all my comments yeah. though. I think we need to see comments creates community. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm like, send me comments because other people, if you have a question, put in the comment because probably someone else has it. Or like I have a Facebook group and it's amazing because they answer each other's questions. And I'm yeah. like, yes, this is what the world needs. Like yeah. no more guru, yeah. no more authority figure. It's like, we are all the gurus. Yeah, create community. Yeah. yeah. That's why I love podcasting. I feel like podcasting yes. creates so much community. Oh, for sure. And I, I think podcasting is the new blogging. I think so too. And because yeah. you connect connect with somebody and I love how you can't see them. Right. Because I, I think we need to get away from like associating with an image of right. somebody. Right, totally. And it's know? so much easier to mm-hmm. do when I'm like, I can be staring at my wall and like oh, talking. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, I love it. Cool. So Highest Self Podcast. Yes. I am, am Sahara Rose. Everybody go check her out. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. This is so fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Okay. Bye guys. Bye. Okay. How amazing is Sahara? She rocks my world. I hope you guys found that really interesting. I'm obsessed with her. Definitely check her out at IamSaharaRose.com. She's an amazing human. And make sure you subscribe if you liked the show. Leave a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you so much for joining in. I know this was a long one, but... It was so worth it. It's all good. I love it so much. So thank you again to Sahara for coming on. And I can't wait to talk to you guys again next week. Bye.